We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Lisa Fielding, News Radio WBBM anchor and reporter and host of the Backstage Chicago podcast. Pretty Woman the Musical made its stage debut three years ago in Chicago before it went to Broadway. Now it's back on a national tour with a brief stop at the CIBC Theater. Before opening night in 2018, I had the chance to sit down with singer, songwriter, and pop icon Brian Adams and his longtime writing partner Jim Valance, who both wrote the score for the show. We also had the chance to sit down with legendary choreographer and director Jerry Mitchell. So... Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. One of the, the best movies ever. Yes. Um, tell us how it's going to be put on stage now from this, the big screen. Let's, let's start with Jerry Mitchell, our, our Tony Award winning sure. director. Well, um, you know, I fell in love with this movie 28 years ago and I thought it would be a great musical. Cut to a lunch with Paula Wagner, our amazing producer, and Gary Marshall. Uh, in New York City, where I explained to them that the way to do a movie and bring it to the stage as a musical is to bring it to stage with a brand new score. And um, basically, that's what I've done with Hairspray, with uh, Legally Blonde, with Kinky Boots, you know, with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. A new score is the way to take a movie and translate it to the stage as a musical. And so we started looking for somebody to write write the music and Paula called me in London. I was working on Kinky Boots, and she said, um, Brian Adams has interest. Would you want to meet with him? And so I said, sure. So the next thing I know, Brian... I said, hell yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Brian and Jim show up at the stage door. Uh, we have a pizza across the street, and that's what happened. Uh, that, was wow. in, that was in London. That was in London, yeah, yeah. in mm. London. Well, he's the king of love, aren't you? Oh, love that's song. so kind of you, Lisa. <laughs> so he's probably the perfect person i would assume i mean i think back in the 80s and my prom theme was heaven and i had a story about a guy I'd i like love and... to see the photograph of you at your prom theme that <laughs> our song so was run sweet. to you you know yeah. so it taps into our soul so i'm sure your writing team was probably perfect for a movie like this because it's such a wonderfully loved beloved you know love story going back going back to the 80s when jim and i were working on on records we would uh uh one of the songs we wrote was for a, a really bad film called A Night in Heaven. And we wrote a song called Heaven, which is about a, a male stripper. Can you imagine? <laughs> and so I, I was like, we can't possibly write a song about this, but let's just write a beautiful love song. So the song endured, of course, and it's still popular today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, with, to come around to this, to Pretty Woman, you know, it's still songs. It's, it's what's, what's driving it is 
the narrative from each scene. So we always defer to Jerry on what we need to do next. And we create little vignettes which, which will move the storyline from the beginning to the end. And there's 23 of them, by the but way. You, but you, you, mentioned, you mentioned love songs. And <laughs> the funny thing is, is I went to a concert that Brian was doing in the city after Brian and Jim had agreed to work on the musical and hear their songs being played, love songs. And I'm looking around and everybody's holding each other, standing up and swaying. And I looked to my best friend and I said, boy, these, these songs are going to really be the right songs for Pretty Woman, the musical. And I really feel that. And they've written two gorgeous love songs that are in the second second act. One one that he sings to her at the opera, and and one is they're leaving each other, and it's you better bring a box of tissues. Is all I can tell. Well, you. I hope so. I hope you get to use them. Now you guys have been writing for, to each, with each other, and you met when you were eighteen. I met him when I was eighteen. Yes, yeah. amazing. Did you ever think you'd be working together forty years later? I didn't think we'd make it till I was nineteen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where does this come from? Where does the love and the heartbreak and those kind of songs who tap into our hearts, where did, where did that come from? Let's ask Jim that question. Okay. Now, is that in a pretty woman context or, um, or just songs Brian and, and I have written and over the years? And how it comes around to a movie like this as well. Well, I mean, writing pop songs for one of Brian's albums or for the other artists we've written for, say Tina Turner, Joe Cocker, um, is very different than writing for a musical. Um, when you're writing just a pop song, we, we, we sit down with a blank page and we just, maybe a couple of guitars and we just play until something occurs and then you start to cobble a lyric together. Sometimes if you start with a title, like Heaven, um, some of the lyrics start to present themselves just based on the title. So the song kind of uh, has, a, has a direction it takes on its own. With the musical, uh, we have to stick strictly to the story. So there's, there's already been a movie, there's a script, now we have a, uh, what they call the book, which is the script for the the musical, and songs get inserted at certain points along the line uh, in, in, to replace dialogue from the film, and, and that is now done lyrically. And so we have to stick strictly to uh, the story. Well, you uh, say strictly, but I mean, but, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jim, but yeah. there, there, was, there were songs that we, we thought we'd, we'd tr- try on Jerry, and one of them was called Please Stay, which I put on my Greatest Hits record last Christmas which didn't make the cut because Jerry goes, you know what? We don't need to say that. We've, we've, what we need to do is move it to this, this part of the story. We've already said it sort of in dialogue. So we, but we would try things because this is new to us, you know? So we just, we got inspired and we wrote a song. Um, but most times, uh, back to you, Jim, uh, but yeah. Well, it's just, it's been a real learning experience because this is outside our regular realm. I mean, we haven't done this before. And... Uh, there's a lot of wiggle room in pop songs. You, you can say whatever you want. And there's a great quote recently from Bob Dylan where he said, I don't even know what some of my lyrics mean, but they sound good. Um, we, we can't do that uh, in a musical. Uh, I mean, we've tried. <laughs> Get this. We've tried on it. No. And, and, and Jerry has jumped all over it and said, guys, it doesn't serve the story. And, and it, it always comes back to the story. You know, uh, Marilyn and Alan Bergman, I mean, come on, the way we were, you know, s- incredible songwriters, right? I was working on a revival of Ballroom, which they had written, and I had I felt very bad about going and asking them to rewrite something, and Marilyn said something to me that will stick with me for the rest of my life. She said, Jerry, 
writing is never about getting it right the first time. Writing is about writing and rewriting and rewriting. And she said, that's what we do as songwriters. We are here to continue to rewrite until we get it right. And I thought, wow, that's how I am as a choreographer. I will cut my own steps faster than I will keep them. So, you know, the process of working on a musical is no different for uh, Brian and Jim than it is for Larry and Nell who wrote Legally Blonde or Cindy who wrote Kinky Boots or any of us. You're always trying to make the best version of that story that you can possibly make. Now, you mentioned this is new. You've never done a musical before. So how does it differ from scoring a movie? Well, it's similar. Uh, sorry, it's it's similar. This is microphone. I would get closer. Uh, uh, You're a singer. Uh, Come on. <laughs> it's similar in that you have a storyline. Um but again, even in film, you're it, you have a lot of license to to make to make it. You're not writing for a character right. to express an emotion. In a film, usually you're right unless it's an animated film. <laughs> you're writing for an emotion to augment a a video moment. Okay, so what's the experience been like for you so far? He talked about it. I loved it, um, and we're we're still we're coming down to the f- final line here. Um, we're looking forward to the first few nights here in Chicago where we get to see the audience and see what they, how they respond to it. Because um, I think Jerry's point of bringing it to Chicago is, is so that we can test it out and really see how the audience interacts with the songs and whether they get off and if, if it's the same every night. Um, Jerry, you might want to comment on that. Well, the, the, the process of coming going out of town is is absolutely the you know we've we've done three uh labs in new york city or readings first sitting down in chairs then standing next to music stands and the last one on our feet in front of a group of 30 to 40 industry professionals at each presentation and the response to the score and the story and the actors Samantha Barks, who's playing Vivian, and Steve Kazee, who's playing Edward, has been c- incredibly positive. So we're in a great place to now be in Chicago to invite an audience in, our final scene partner, to help us take it to the next level. And that's why we're here. We're here to have a real audience that's paid to see the show tell us when they love it and when they're confused and when they don't like it and so we can make it better. That's why we come here. Where do you find your music and your words? Is it from experience, your own heartbreak, your own love? Like, where do, where do you guys kind of find that to tap into what we feel as listeners? And Again, uh, are you talking Pretty Woman or just songwriting oh, in general? In general, I'm sorry. Overall, I mean, I think it's magic. your body of work stands alone, <clears throat> and I can put it in many. And now this is something new, but I think I haven't heard your music yet from Pretty Woman, but I'm sure it's going to be You're gonna the same love that it. I loved for 30 years, you know? I mean, you e- love it. Even writing pop songs, when when you're just sitting there with a blank page, and and it starts, but what are we going to write about? You know, what what should we write about? And and all it takes, it's like it's like planting a seed and, and watching it grow. You, you all you need is a couple of words, and then maybe four words, and you got you got the first line of lyric. Or and, sometimes it's just a chord. Or sometimes it's a groove. Or sometimes, who knew? It's just. It starts as a really a snippet. I call them snippets. A couple of words, a couple of chords, maybe a song title, and then you just kind of stretch it and grow it. and And it can take hours or days or, or seconds. S- Summer '69. We we, I think it took us a couple of months to to finish that. We 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 would keep setting it aside because we didn't think it was right, and we come back to it, 
and work on it again. And it wasn't even called Summer of 69 when we wrote it. That, that was the very end of the process that we inserted that title into the song. It was, it was called Best Days of My Life. So, so a song is, is never finished till it's finished. Yeah. And when your juices are flowing or they're not flowing, right? Because in writing, I write too, you, you can, they can flow and then all of a sudden you have that block and then you come back and it comes back. Yeah. Same with songwriting. Yeah, you put it aside. Yeah. If it ain't working, you put it aside and come yeah. back to it. And if it still ain't working, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you move Here, on. Here's an example. Uh, I could be, usually when we're about to start writing a song, I'll pick up the guitar and start noodling around. And more often than not, Jim will go, what, what was that? I, I, I don't know. What was it? And hopefully the tape was running or I'll remember what I just did. And many times that's when songs have started. Just just noodles. What do you hope the I call, audience... I call them noodles. <laughs> noodles. <laughs> what do you hope the audience takes away in Chicago from this this whole kind of collaboration? Brand new soundtrack, familiar story, new actors, a movie onto the stage. What do you hope people walk away with? I think they're going to be totally enthralled and happy and they'll have had an emotional experience because it's very, very uplifting, beautiful love story. It's a Cinderella story. Uh, let's let Jerry embellish on this because... I guess I want audiences to remember how important love is. Yeah. You know, with you... everything that's going on in the world, yeah. finding love and actually investing in love, I think that's the most important thing. And I think this musical sort of celebrates that. And, and love that is unexpected. Vivian and Edward come from two completely different worlds and he rescues her, but she rescues him right back. They both need rescuing. He's lost and she's in the ashes, you know, so it's a, and she's a powerful woman. If you go back to the film, the original source material, she is a powerful woman. She defines her own destiny by saying no. She turns him down when he offers her the car, the apartment, the money. She says no. I want the fairy tale. And the fairy tale for her isn't just, you know, a dress and a crown. The fairy tale is equal, equal footing. I want to be, I want to, I want to share in all of it with you. And that's what happens because she defines it for herself. How do you bring like a linear movie where there wasn't music or dancing to a stage where you have to incorporate dancing? I mean, music well, was a huge a, part a, of the movie. It's a really but... good question because people obviously a lot of films get turned into musicals, right? When I'm looking for a movie that might, or, or someone presents me with a movie to turn it into a musical, I look at the character and the character has to be larger than life for me. And the character has to be vulnerable, whether it's the lead as a female or a male. In this case, they're both vulnerable. And I find that incredibly fertile for music and, and um, expression of what the film was, a lot of the film was done in close-up. Close-ups often are ballads or a chance for the character to sing to an audience and tell them what they're feeling or thinking that a camera can do in a close-up with no words. So, you know, uh, that's, that's where the that's, strings swell up. That's another, that's another thing I, I look for. But, you know, when I first saw the film 28 years ago, I thought it was a musical. I tried to get the rights. I was still a dancer in Broadway shows. Nobody would listen to me. Cut to having lunch with Gary Marshall, thanks to Paula Wagner, putting it all together and convincing her and JF, him and J.F. Lawton, who wrote the original film, who's written this book with Gary Marshall, that this was a musical waiting to happen and the way it should be done is with an original score. And by the way, just a little side note, when I was here doing Gotta Dance, 
Gary, Brian, Jim, and JF came here. I was staying at the public, the old ambassadors, which I think is back to the ambassadors. Anyways, I was staying there. They stayed there. We would write during the mornings the show. We were writing Pretty Woman in Chicago while I was doing the other show. True. Yeah. We this had been a our, long time in the making. Oh, I mean, it's literally. Been two years. Two and, and a half we, years. We had some of our best writing experiences at the beginning of this with Gary Marshall and Jerry and Jim and I sitting in, in, in a room in Chicago in this hotel. Jim and I would be, be, be back off to our room and just write an idea and go back down to the conference room and say, this is something we have. And I, and then they'd comment on that. No, go back and do it again. And, and I'd and, go to rehearsal at the, at the Oriental Theater and I'd come home that night and I'd be a message and I'd go to the room and they'd play me a bit of something. Wow. And, yeah. Was Gary able to see most of what you... Oh, Gary, yeah. was, Gary yeah. was here for the full read-throughs in New York, the first and the second one. And we had finished the script pretty much and at least... I'd say three quarters of the score was in place. Uh, yeah, he was very excited. Was a musical something that you always thought you would do? Is it a bucket list thing? Is it an evolution of what you've done in your career? What would you, what's uh, the culmination of? Well, this is something that uh, is something I wouldn't have thought about doing a, a very a long time ago. But uh, as I started doing more and more film work, uh, and I, I did an animated film, which, mm -hmm. which was called Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, and I did that in 2002, I think. And that was very much like doing a musical. So the idea of, I remember asking Katzenberg, do you, are you going to make a musical out of this with a horse? Um, but uh, so that was, I guess, when I first started thinking about it. And then uh, when I was, I was dating a girl from the West End in London, she said to me, you know, someone should make Pretty Woman a musical. And I thought, that is a really good idea. And so then that's when I started getting interested. So that's 10 years ago. Not a musical of Brian Adams' life with all your music? No, that would be... That seems no to be one trend. would go to that. <laughs> I think Cher's coming out with something and Buffett and, you know, everybody like that. Uh, if, so. if I'd have been wearing headpieces like Cher back in the 70s, perhaps people would go yeah. to it, but I didn't. If I could ask you a little bit about your career in, in a general way, I mean, I say the same thing probably a lot of your fans do. You know, you're the soundtrack of my youth. You're still touring. We still love your music. Did you ever... Could you ever have imagined, you know, 30, 40 years later that your music would still be so loved and so nostalgic and that you could really still sell out places. Well, you, you can, I can't even begin to answer that because you never think that. I don't think that way. What I will say is that um, it's really uh, wonderful to be working with the same guy, yeah. Jim Valance, after all these years um, and have such an enormous legacy of, of, of music, which you know we, we hear about now because because of social media, people write to us all the time and say, you know, thank you for this this changed my life or this got me through that or I, I was at a, my prom or whatever it is. Music, you know, is the thing that brings us together. It's such an powerful thing and, and it's very wonderful to be able to be part of this now which is, you know, kind of a, it's an adventure. It's a real adventure. How do you, you've been here many times with many shows. Yes. What, how would you describe Chicago theater audiences versus like a New York audience? Well, that's why I come here, because I find them very similar. I think that Chicago's exposed to a lot of great theater. Not only <clears throat> things that come to the city, but your own theater that is developed here and created here. You have great theaters in Chicago. So audiences are, are experienced in going to the theater and seeing really great stuff. So the, the people who buy tickets and come to the theater, I think, are smart audiences. And smart audiences help me make the show better. We love that we're smart audiences. Yeah. We love being the game. And also the critics. The critics in Chicago are very helpful to me because 
in New York City, when you get critiqued on opening night, everybody's done. You can't make any more, you can't do any more work to the show. Part of the reason you go out of town is because you go to have smart critique that can help you structure the show and make the show better. And even if the show is great, and many of my shows have been pretty good to great even when they started here, the show I started here with on On Your Feet and Left was a different show. Kinky Boots, I started and left was a different show. In Seattle, Hairspray, I started and left with a different show. So you're constantly working to make, it may be a set piece, it may be a wig, it may be a costume, it may be a song. We added new songs to Kinky Boots while we were here. In On Your Feet, I cut the bus crash, which was in the first scene here, and only had it at the end of the show in On Your Feet. So you learn from the audience what is the better way to tell the story. Adding a Tony nomination, possibly? Your oh, I, repertoire, listen, maybe. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to get a fresh <laughs> cup of coffee out of this. You know. Well, I, mean, I, I always say, I always say, you can keep every award as long as we sell tickets. That's all we really want to yeah. do. We yeah. want people to come and see it and experience what we're experiencing when we hear, when I hear these songs being sung by these actors. I get very emotional at, par- at times in the in the in the love story, and I'm hoping that translates. I think so. I mean, I think all of us own the original soundtrack, so I think the music really moves us in addition to the story. And I think you're going to capture a lot of the original people who love Pretty Woman and the music and want to see the new music and hear it. Are you going to have so. a soundtrack? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, Will yeah. Will be able the, to buy? Um, yeah. Jim and I have been talking about it already. We, we've got uh, we've got to go back to New York at some point and, and get that recorded. Well, just okay. to, to interject, uh, you know, I, w- I would like people to leave the theater at the end of the night and remember the songs. Um, oh, they're gonna! I, I've seen a lot of shows in in New York, wonderful, wonderful shows that I really loved. But as I'm walking down the sidewalk after the show, I'm I'm kind of remember some of the songs. I mean, they were very um, significant while you're sitting in your seat and and very much part of the story. But after you leave the theater. They don't necessarily stay with you. So I, I, it, that would be my wish for this show, that people leave the theater remembering and even able to hum or sing some of our songs. I think that'll happen. I, do, I know it's going to happen because if anybody can write hooks, it's these two gentlemen. Amazing hooks. All right. Any free time in Chicago? Probably not. But Jerry Mitchell, the director? Uh-uh. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. So we're here in Chicago. We're all set to go. Any favorite memories about being in Chicago as a well, as my, artist? My, my last memory of being in Chicago was being rained out at my show, so uh, doesn't that sound familiar? But your Chicago. second show was a beautiful night. Thank you, it was. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite memory of Chicago, I have many favorite memories, last row of the top balcony at the Schubert Theater at the time, mm-hmm. seeing a chorus line for the first time, 17, leaving the theater and saying to my dance teacher, I have to be in that show. Cut to two years later, I was in that show. Wow. Excellent. I mean, one of my favorites, too. You asked me here. one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. I was a dancer, too, in high school. So we danced to his, we did pom-pom to his songs. I, 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 probably need, to, I, need, to, I need to see this stuff. <laughs> my hair was this big. I need to see that, too. <laughs> it was bigger than your hair, my hair was. <laughs> okay, great. Anything else you guys look to add? We're Can't excited wait. that you're here. Can't wait for you to see it. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jerry, Thank you. Jim. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed this interview, be sure to subscribe to my new podcast, Backstage Chicago, available on the Odyssey app or on Apple Podcasts.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.